Okay, I need a little uh, participation here. What is the highest mountain on planet Earth? Mount Everest? Okay. It is Mount Everest. The peak of uh, Mount Everest towers about five and a half miles above sea level. Now, interestingly, pending how you measure it, uh, Mount Everest is not the tallest. Mount Monaki, um, a volcano in Hawaii, is the tallest if you measure from the Pacific Ocean floor to the peak. And then Mount Chimborazo is the tallest if you measure from the center of the earth to the peak. Who is the richest person in the world? Is that the only guess? All right. Bill, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is. Uh, he, he's worth around $86 billion. Gates is, uh, has been the richest man 18 out of the past 23 years, which is impressive, but he hasn't always been the richest. Now, interesting story. When the markets opened back on uh, July 27th, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos became the richest man in the world to be the first to top $90 billion. Earlier in the day, he was worth $90.6 billion, but by the time the markets closed later on in the day, he was worth $88.8 billion, just shy of Gates, so Gates was back on top. So Bezos' preeminent wealth lasted for a matter of a few hours. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? All right, there would be some debate about that, but... you. Even if you hate basketball, there's probably one name coming to your mind at that question, and it is Michael Jordan. I think largely people would say that he's the best. Now, did you know that Jordan does not even hold the uh, NBA's all-time scoring uh, record for all-time points? Uh, he, he's not number one. Does anyone know who number one is for all-time points? Yes, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, exactly right. Uh, he outscored Jordan by 6,095 points in his career. Now, there is something astounding about supremacy, about preeminence. When something is the biggest or the tallest or the fastest or the most beautiful or the best, we're fascinated by it. We desire it, yet the things that I've mentioned are, are all qualified preeminence, qualified preeminence. They're not really preeminent. They might be preeminent in one category. They might be preeminent in one group, but not preeminent over all categories or, group, or groups. Does Mount Everest hold supremacy over Michael Jordan? Why, how do you even measure something like that? Um, Jordan probably can't climb Mount Everest. But Mount Everest can't beat Jordan one-on-one. -on -one. So how, how, do you, how do you measure this? Uh, Jordan is way more athletic than Bill Gates. Um, but then Jordan is only worth a measly $1.31 billion to Gates' $86 billion. And Bill Gates probably can't purchase Mount Everest. So how do you look at that? It's, it's all a qualified preeminence. And my point is, the preeminence that most human beings uh, most often celebrate is not absolute preeminence. It is a qualified preeminence. Now, how might it change your life and your family if, if, if there was something with absolute 
preeminence in everything. So my goal this morning is to do two simple things. Number one, to help you see the beautiful and absolute preeminence of Christ in all things. And number two, to help you understand what difference the preeminence of Christ makes in your life and family. So first, here are 11 reasons why Christ is preeminent. Number one, Christ is the image of God. Paul said that Christ is the image of the invisible God. God is a spirit. He does not have a body. He is invisible. Yet the invisible God came to us in visible form. We, when we look at Christ, when we see the beauty of Christ, we see God in human flesh. And we see Christ when the Spirit reveals him to us in God's word. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Unbelievers are blind and cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Here's why unbelief is so tragic, so terrible for people, because it prevents people from seeing the greatness of God in Christ. Nothing in all of creation can do what Jesus does. He amazes us by revealing God to us in himself. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because he is the God-man who simultaneously shows us humanity and deity in one glorious person. Number two, Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this, uh, Paul doesn't mean that, that Jesus Christ was a created being. Uh, that's a deadly heir of Arianism, which the first council of Nicaea refuted. Abundant scriptures, including Colossians 1, distinguish Christ from creation and ascribe the work of creation to Christ. Verse 16 says, for by him all things were created, which distinguishes Christ from creation. And explains that firstborn of all creation means preeminence over creation. This is how firstborn is used in Psalm 89 verse 27, where God says of David, who, mind you, was the youngest son, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So firstborn sons, they obtained the birthright and greater inheritance because they held the supreme position. So in Psalm 89, firstborn clearly means preeminence, which foreshadows Christ, who is the son of David and the preeminent king. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because God has made him the firstborn of all things. Number three, Christ is the agent of all creation. Now this, this began to sink in for me later on in life. So all the kids, all the kids here, don't forget this amazing truth about Jesus because from here on, if you get this truth, it can help you interpret the world that you see uh, for the rest of your life. So here's the truth. Jesus Christ created the universe. Jesus Christ created the universe. When Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it implies that the Son of God was active in creating the acorns and the heavens and the earth. Now, I want you to treasure that truth, kids. 
Treasure that. All of us should treasure it. Jesus made what we can see. This is incredible. Darwinian evolution is a direct attack against the creativity and power of Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 16 again. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. John 1.3 says all things were created made through him and without him was not anything made that was made hebrews 1 2 says but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world dr richard melek describes god as the architect and then the son of god as the builder dr melek said quote through his creative imagination and power the creative order exists. When we gaze upon the extraordinary beauty and intricacies of the universe, we are seeing the art of a supremely creative and imaginative Christ. Even mysterious invisible creatures like angels were created by him. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because his creativity and artistic power has no rival. Number four, Christ is the ultimate goal of all creation. God did not create the universe for us to worship it at the expense of the one who created it. The universe was made to astonish us into worship of the Christ who made it. Verse 16 says, all things were created through him and for him. That, that one line can transform the way that you see everything. It, it, it can do amazing things in your life of how you view the world, how you, how you see your life. To say that all things were created for him is to say that the universe and everything inside of it is for the glory and honor and pleasure of Christ. Why did God create? Why does any of this exist? Here's why. For the glory and gladness of Christ. For the adoration and acclaim of Christ. For the inheritance and interest of Christ. Hebrews 1-2 says that God appointed Jesus Christ the heir of all things. Christ is inheriting all of this. It all belongs to him. Psalm 2.8 says that the ends of the earth will be his possession. Everything is his. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because every molecule of the universe has been made for his glory, his inheritance, and his pleasure. Number five, Christ is before everything he created. Uh, the little Greek preposition pro or before likely refers primarily to Christ's pre-existing creation, but it implies his supremacy as well. Verse 17 clarifies firstborn of creation. It explains how Christ could create everything. Art, is any art lovers love museums and art? A few. All right, art cannot precede the artist who creates it. 
The artist must precede the art, for the art is an expression of the artist's creativity, the artist's skill. Christ was before the beginning with God. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because he pre-exists all things. Number six, Christ is holding the universe together. Christ is holding the universe together right now. Right now. Paul said that in him all things hold together. This is unfathomable power. This is unfathomable to even think of this. The universe coheres not because some unexplainable force out there that's impersonal holds it together, but because the Son of God holds it together. Dr. William Hendrickson said beautifully, quote, It is the Son of God's love who holds in his mighty hand the reins of the universe and never even for one moment lets them slip out of his grasp. End of quote. Hebrews 1.3 says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, it is beyond our intellectual reach, beyond our inter intellectual grasp to comprehend the power needed to uphold the universe with a word. And yet Jesus Christ possesses that supreme power. He speaks and the universe obeys. Archaeology. Geography, anthropology, psychology, sociology, economics, political science, physics, chemistry, biology, earth science, space science, mathematics, computer science, logic, statistics, performing arts, visual arts, law, history, literature, philosophy, theology, technology, business, language, engineering, medicine, and health science, they all bow at the feet of the preeminent Christ. And whatever correspondence and whatever coherence are in these things exist because Jesus Christ holds them together. There is information to be gained out there. there. There are discoveries to be made because, precisely because, there is an infinite and preeminent Christ anchoring it all and giving meaning to it all. Now, kids, I want you to think for a little bit. What in your life do you enjoy the most? I mean, something that you really love, something that you love to do, something that is super fun in your life. I want you to get that in your head, and I want you to ask yourself, have you ever thought of why that thing or event or experience, why that works? Why is it fun? Why, why are you able to enjoy that thing that you so love. And here's why. Because the greatest good pleasures of this life, the things that all of us enjoy, behind those things stands Jesus who holds them together for you to enjoy. That's the only reason that you have any pleasure whatsoever in anything because Jesus is behind it. If you miss that point, you will miss the entire purpose of pleasure and you will miss the entire purpose of life itself. The glory of Jesus Christ who is preeminent in all things. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because he holds all things together with his powerful word. Number seven, Christ is the head of the church. How well... Would your arms and legs and organs work if your head was cut off? 
well, I'm no doctor, but I think you'd be in trouble. Nothing's going to work. You need your head or else you die. Christ holds the primary position in the church as its sovereign head. There is no other head of the church. It is Jesus Christ. And he gives God's people life and he gives them wellness. Christ is preeminent because without him, the church dies. Eight, Christ is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. Now, if you have the NIV, the NIV makes a mistake here by inserting one little word, and, and, into verse 18. But firstborn of the dead explains the meaning of beginning. So it should say, Christ is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, not and the firstborn of the dead. The second part interprets the first part. All right? Not only is Christ the first to raise from the dead, but he is the preeminent one in his victorious resurrection over death, making him the beginning of the resurrection for everyone else. He is the cause of the resurrection. Dr. Douglas Moose said his resurrection guarantees and indeed stimulates the resurrection of all who follow, end of quote. You see, Christ is the beginning of a brand new restored humanity, a healed humanity, a right and good humanity. We've seen the broken one. He is in to redeeming and restoring a new humanity. And his resurrection initiates the resurrection of his brothers and sisters who will join him in glory. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because his resurrection is the beginning of a restored existence for God's people in the restored heaven and earth. Number nine, Christ is preeminent in all things. Verse 18 is my main point. This is, this is what I'm trying to say. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now that word that is really important. Another way to say it is, in order that in everything he might be preeminent. Do you understand the goal of the resurrection? The goal of the resurrection was that Christ would be preeminent in everything. Everything. Everything, everything. Now, this is not distract from the glory that the Son of God had before the world began. This doesn't take away from the glory that he shared with the Father before the world began. However, it does show that now, see if you can wrap your head around this, now after gaining a human body, after living a perfect life to fulfill the law of God, after suffering the wrath and justice of God on the cross, the now God-man, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead and merited supremacy in an entirely new way. Now the Son of God in human flesh, which he gained, has absolute sovereignty, supremacy, preeminence over the broken creation that he is redeeming and restoring. Do you understand that? Philippians 2 tells us that as the crucified Christ, God has given Jesus the preeminent name of Lord, Lord of all things. Take the entire universe, take every single molecule inside of that universe, and Christ is preeminent in all of it. There is not even a molecule over which Jesus Christ does not 
possess supremacy. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because Jesus accomplished a unique feat, something that no one else did, a feat designed to obtain supremacy, a perfect death, and then a resurrection from death. 10. Christ is God. Why is Christ preeminent? Verse 19 states it pretty clearly. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The Greek of, of verse 19 is tricky. So Colossians 2.9 later on in the, in, in the book is very helpful in interpreting verse 19. And this is what that says. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Think about that. The whole of deity dwells bodily. That's what verse 19 is saying. The fullness of God in the body of the man, Jesus Christ. Christ really is the God-man. The God-man. Jesus identifies us in our humanity and he identifies with God in his deity and is the perfectly apt mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because he is fully human and fully God. Number 11. Last one, Christ is the reconciler and peace giver. Verse 20 says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. When, when Paul brought up the, uh, the reconciliation rather here, it, it assumed that something went wrong in creation. Something is not what it was made to be. Hence the need for reconciliation, or we wouldn't have brought that up. Something is wrong with creation. Christ created the universe, human beings subjected it to sin, and now reconciliation of the universe is needed. And verse 20 is tricky to understand, but I think it basically means that through the bloody cross of Christ, God is sovereignly working to restore shalom. Shalom, uh, peace. You could say well-being to his universe. He, he is working to restore all of creation, which has been endangered by sin and death for a long time. Reconciliation certainly includes human beings here, yet in verse 20, reconciliation is broader than human beings. Reconciliation of all things, of the universe. As beautiful and unified as creation is, it is severely broken. Yet in his sovereignty, God is working to restore it, powerfully working to restore it, and God will finish his work. He will restore it. He will reconcile all things. This is beautiful. Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things because all things will be restored for his inheritance, for his pleasure, for his glory. This is the beautiful and absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ. Now, how does his supremacy relate to you? Right here, on earth, living life. What difference does this make in your life? What difference does this make in your family? And I don't think we can just simply believe that Jesus Christ is supreme in all things. I think that actually helps us in our everyday life to know that we serve a preeminent Christ. I think this is applicable to your life. 
I, I don't think you can survive without this. So, I, so what I hope to do is just give you a few applications here. Now, applications are many. We could go in a lot of different directions here. So I can only give a few, but hopefully the ones that I give you here translate into your life. Hopefully they help you translate the preeminence of Christ into your life. The one thing to keep in mind above everything else, when you think about your life and think about how all of this uh, applies to you, think about this one thing. Jesus Christ is preeminent, making him bigger, better, more powerful, more beautiful, more enjoyable than anything else. Now, if that's true, which it is, as the, as, as the scripture says, if that is true, then, then your perspective looking through the preeminence of Christ at everything else is going to change because you know he is better, he is bigger, he is more powerful, he is more beautiful. And, and that right there is going to be very helpful for you when you encounter things, uh, problems of many different kinds and challenges. So that alone is going to help you. But let's, let's get specific here. Let's say that you've been struggling with a particular sin um, all your life, and you just can't seem to conquer it. Can't, keep, can't seem to get over it. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lying. Whatever it is for you, an ongoing thing. You don't know how to beat it. The preeminence of Christ helps you like this. Jesus has supreme authority and power over that sin. He's conquered it already. He has conquered it and died in your place to break you from the power and the control of that sin. Since he's stronger then your desire for that sin, here's what he can do for you. He can replace that sinful desire with a greater desire for God. He's powerful enough to put that in you. He's supreme over your desires. Verses 21 and 23, they apply here. We were alienated from God, hostile towards God's will, and enjoying sin without a care in the world. But through his death and resurrection, Christ reconciled us to God and is working in us, as the text says in Colossians, to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. But then it, the text says that in order for that to happen, we must not shift from the hope of the gospel. So as long, folks, as long as you are hoping in the gospel this morning and you continue to hope in the gospel, Christ is working in you to make you progress, progress. In holiness, to, to make in that one sin, you can actually look to Christ, hope in the gospel, and he can take you further to progress in that sin, to conquer it, to, to not be the same thing that you always have been. That's practical. That's helpful. Let's try another one. Let's say that in your honest moments of life, you, you don't feel like studying the Bible and praying. Have we been there? You just don't feel like going there. You find yourself having no passion for spiritual things, no passion for worship. You don't even care. Okay? You find other things more exciting. And your desire for worship is, and we need to know this, is directly connected to your desire for God himself and your view of God. 
a small view of God will not excite you to worship, will not send you running to scripture or running to your knees to pray. A small view of God cannot do that for you. So, so if you have little excitement, perhaps it's true that your desire for God and in your view of him is small. But if you have a big desire, if he is preeminent in all things, if, if he is glorious and beautiful in every way, that's going to drive you to worship. Your, your view of God and the bigness of God is going to drive you to worship. So here, here's how the preeminence of Jesus Christ helps you. It increases your awe of God. Everything you look at, he's preeminent in that. He made that for his glory. I see him around me. I see him in oh, his word. It's going to increase your wonderment. It's going to stir in you affection for God and a desire to, to know this preeminent Christ more fully because you see how much bigger, how much better, how much more beautiful Christ is than everything else. You see him. The preeminence of Christ transforms your, your view of worship from I have to, I guess my wife wants me to get into that. I guess it's good if the kids see their mom and dad following God and being into that stuff. I guess that's good. No, no, wait. It transforms it from that into I want to enjoy God more. He's glorious. I, I know I can't see him like I should. I know that, that, that he is so much more, but, but I want to go to him, and so that's why I'm going to go. Even if you sense inside your own heart that you don't value the preeminence of Christ like you should, guilty of that, and, and I don't. Simply believing that he is preeminent, believing that biblical truth that he is preeminent in all things, makes you want to go to him to experience in him his supremacy, his preeminence. All right, let's say that your marriage uh, or your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents is, is really not very good. Uh, you feel distant from them. You feel like there's not a connection there. Uh, maybe there's some, some um, ongoing pain from the past that cannot get over. Here's, here's how the, the preeminence of Christ helps you. It helps you see that Christ created marriage and family for his ultimate glory and pleasure. That he is the ultimate purpose of your marriage and your family. And that knowing him, the preeminent Christ, is better than marriage. Is better than family. Which then, folks, gives you freedom. Here. It gives you freedom to draw your identity, to draw your joy, to draw your satisfaction from Christ and not your marriage and not your family. Even if your marriage and family is horrible and couldn't get any worse, the preeminence of Christ in the middle of that can give you peace, can give you joy, can give you strength, can give you perseverance in the pain and hold you steady as you lovingly and patiently work for healing in your family uh, by the strength that Christ provides you, which you know he can give you. You know he'll show up if you trust him because he holds the Milky Way galaxy in his hand. He can help you. Um, the preeminence of Christ frees you from drawing your worth from your marriage, drawing your worth from your family, 
and instead it anchors you in the worth that Christ gives you. And since he's preeminent and he gives you value, wow, you can do a lot with that in your life. This is amazing. All right, two more. Maybe you don't enjoy your life right now. Uh, and you, if you think about it, you can't find much to be thankful for. You're just not a very grateful person. You're, you're just down all the time. The preeminence of Christ can help you in this way. It can awaken in you uh, an experience of Christ and his preeminence in everything that you encounter. You're now viewing those things in a completely different way. The brilliant color of the flower or the cool summer breeze mesmerizes you because your mind ponders in those experiences how Christ could create something so beautiful, so elegant, and so invigorating. Your mind is then taken to thankfulness and gratitude because he's in those things and he's supreme over those things. It gives you a totally different perspective. You interpret the beauty you see in creation as an invitation to worship the supreme and preeminent Christ. The preeminence of Christ infuses life with wonder, amazement, enjoyment, and contentment. Your senses serve you. Why did God even give you senses? Why not just insert a card and we don't need to eat because we got the eat card. Why the, why the smells? Why the tastes? Why the enjoyment? All of your, your senses were given to you to draw you closer to Christ and to see his preeminence in all things, that he made it for you. Okay, let's say you're concerned about America, about how Donald Trump is ruining it and running it. Or maybe you think, oh, Donald Trump, the Savior, he's going to pull us out. Uh, whichever side you're on. You, 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 politics may be completely, um, it may be the cause of sleepless nights for some of you. You're, you're just flat out tired of it. Russia and North Korea may give you indigestion. When you think of all that's going on, headlines may spike your blood pressure. Here's how the preeminence of Christ helps you there. Christ reigns supreme over everything. Putin is beneath the boot of Jesus Christ. Donald Trump will answer to Jesus Christ. North Korea will answer to Jesus Christ. All will answer to him. Nothing surprises Christ or functions outside of his sovereign control. He has conquered death. What other leader has conquered death? And all will bow to him. Even the invisible powers that are at work will bow. They are beneath his sovereignty. The final judgment will bring glory to Christ. And Christ will bring peace. And Christ will bring well-being to the world when he fully restores it for his people to enjoy forever as he dwells with them. If you trust in Christ instead of our president, instead of our senate, Instead of our house, instead of global politics or global anything, you can sleep well at night because your Christ is on his throne and he is preeminent. Instead, well, this allows Christians not to overreact. Did you? I overreacted in the last election. I'm going to try to work on that, okay? I overreacted in a lot of things. When things go crazy, 
We don't have to be like, oh man, that's right. You know, after the world, the sky is falling. We can, we can actually uh, not only survive, but thrive in the middle of the chaos. So instead, as you grapple with global affairs and all of that, you can display for people peace in Christ because you trust in his preeminence. People can see that in you and can be drawn to him because his people are trusting him. All right, so what, what I'm trying to do here is to help you see how the preeminence of Christ applies to all of your life and how it can help you in the everyday. You can be strong, folks. You can be. Because as long as you are united to the preeminent Christ, his strength can be provided to you. Is, is there something good that Christ is unable to give you? If he is truly preeminent in all things, and he is, it means that he can hold you together. He can hold your life together. He can hold the universe together. He is. But you must continue in the faith, the Christian faith, and you must never, ever, 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 ever stop hoping in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your supreme Christ. He is glorious and beautiful. He is in control. He is amazing. And God, I pray that my brothers and sisters and um, any who don't know Jesus Christ here this morning, that they would look to Christ and see that he is preeminent in all things and that that would translate into the life to give them the peace and joy of Jesus Christ in their heart. God, we can trust you because you are preeminent in all things. And for that, we give you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.